politics Some culture and craft beer Politics And that is why you're here Politics Adam's up Welcome to Potoms Up. Fred and Blotto discuss the politics of today, the culture of our lives, and the beer of our state. Potoms Up. Hello all, and welcome to episode 5-0. The big 5-0. Um, 50. <laughs> For those of you who are SNL fans. Do you know who that is? Uh, no, I don't. Molly Shannon. Okay. She's this character where she's this 50-year-old woman. She's just so excited about being 50. <laughs> I'm 50! She does this kind of almost like a splits thing. That's what did we're doing. Did you know the Maybe you had to be there. Um, yeah, you probably did. Do you even know Well, lots Molly? of people were. Do you know yeah. who Molly Shannon is? From SNL? She did uh, Mary Catherine. Yes. Yeah, the, she did the cheerleader. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Wasn't no, cheer, cheerleader was Sherry O'Terry. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> who we saw on the New Year's Eve thing. Yes. Yes, with the bad wig. Huh. <laughs> Anyways, it's our 50th episode, give or take one, two, three, depending on how you uh, work out the math. It's that new math. But we're calling it 50, so it's 50. It's 50. So here, here we Cause, are. Because it's 50. <laughs> Blato, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. And I'm glad we're celebrating 50. I, like, when we started, did we think we'd get to 50? I don't know how we got through one. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about it, I kind of, I actually listened to part of one the other day, and it's it's amazing how good of quality it was considering we had never done anything like that before. Well, you too. I know. Yeah. I know, but, it, you know. So you listened to one a little bit? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It, well, it actually came up on its own because I listened to another one, and for whatever reason, one pops up after it. I'm going, I want to listen to that. And it, I was. I, I thought we would have sounded a lot more nervous, and yeah. but we actually flowed pretty good. If you pay for the version without commercials, you don't get that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Spotify premium. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't get problems up episode one <laughs> popping up. <laughs> and of course, there's knobs across from me. How you doing, bud? Um, fantastic. Good. It's Friday. How you feeling about 50? Um, Does it make you feel old? No. <clears throat> no? No? Still feeling pretty good? Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, it's a Friday night. The week is over, so. Got that to celebrate, and we have beer. See, there's beer. It's we Friday, beer. And there's beer. I mean, it's a pretty good day. Yeah. So, since Blato supplied said beverage, we will let him take the lead on it. I've picked out a uh, Rochester Mills product. We've had a few of theirs uh, on the show before. Um, it was, you know, like uh, it's kind of like picking out wine. It was the label that got me. Um, just that you know, just a little bit different. Uh, sort the, of a this denim. label got you. Well, it just it, it just stood out. You, okay. you know what I mean? When when you're looking at the sea of looks like different a cans, it's pair a pair of blue jeans. Yeah, it's kind of a denim thing, and then it says uh, Leroy. Do you think that's a Levi's takeoff? I, I, they certainly didn't use the same font, right? But maybe. 
But then it's a brown ale, so it's the Leroy Brown. So we thought maybe that's what the play is. A couple of specifications. Uh, they do list the IBUs, which I always appreciate. And had I noticed it before I picked it out, I don't know if I would have purchased it. It's 60. <laughs> 6.5% alcohol, so that's in the wheelhouse for Bottoms Up. Um, it's uh, 16 fluid ounces, or 473 milliliters, for our Canadian friends. If you're counting. Uh, it says here, uh, uh, proprietary malt blend, Pilsner, aromatic, caramel, chocolate, brown. So those all just seem like random words to me. It's very... Like brown is not a flavor. Caramel looking. Yes. It, do, it doesn't look like a brown ale. It looks like a caramel uh, ale. And then they use... Uh, it's, it's brewed with maple syrup from a local maple syrup producer in Michigan called uh, Nelson Maple Products. So... You guys have already poured yours and gotten to mine, yes? Yeah? So take a sip and tell me what you think. I got no head when I poured it. None mm, at all. Nor did I. <clears throat> I tried. Um, tried a little, yeah, little, a little, little splash. Little. Yeah. You seem to be good at doing that. Uh, nice dark you have to color. Be fearless. To it. You gotta be fearless with the pour. <laughs> oh, hey. Wow. It's not bad. It's it's really not. I I, I thought it'd be a lot sweeter with maple syrup in it. Correct. We had that I'm blueberry pancake <laughs> one that has tainted our taste buds yes. forever now. Yeah. My dentist bill skyrocketed <laughs> after that. I still have a coating on my yeah. teeth. Um. Yeah, it's, it's it's a good brown ale. Certainly drinkable. Uh, it 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 it's hoppy at sixty IBUs, but. Kind of as the can says, the hoppiness is in the finish. It's certainly not in the front mm-hmm. or, you know, across the palate. I, I only feel that, that dry uh, uh, bitterness or hoppiness kind of, you know, like I said, in the aftertaste. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure, you know, there's notes of chocolate and caramel in there. I'm not <laughs> sure I get much of that either. Um it's it's just I I think it's a good basic brown ale. It's not offensive. Um, which you know, maybe that's going to move it into the met column. Well, one thing I've got to say for myself is uh, I'm willing to bet that this would have tasted a lot better in a proper glass. <laughs> I offer. <laughs> hey, I've been waiting. We we, we we know better. Yeah. Right? I mean, there are... When you come up to Knob's studio, you, you have to bring the basics. Napkins. Uh, what, what, Proper pint ice, glass. Ice, ice cube trays. Hand soap. <laughs> Uh, so now we got to add pint glasses. Uh, you brought your own toilet paper, right? Uh, <clears throat> I'm just going to use a towel. Okay. You have one, right? No. I don't need... I, I guess this doesn't even taste like a brown ale to me. Oh, Compared I think... to what memory serves me and others that I like. It's not as nutty as... Maybe as like, that's what it is. Where, you, you know, that some brown ales have. You're thinking more like, was it Cabin something? Cabin Fever yeah. from New Holland. Which, that's, that's like a strong brown ale. This yeah. is just, uh, I would say it's a mild brown ale. It's drinkable. It, it is very drinkable. Yeah. I just don't know if they did enough. Correct. To stand out. I'm going to say for right now, I'm leaning towards meh. 
It's not doing much for me in any of those categories. So, but I'm I'm leaning mad too, just yeah. just because. Yeah, it doesn't stand yeah. out. I I had a uh, a nice uh, Michigan amber last night. I guess it was. Um, it might have been the Big Rocks, or I forget which uh, brewery it was from. Black Rock. Yeah, maybe it was the Black Rock. But anyway, it was, you know, that, that to me was, you know, for me versus this mm-hmm. where it's kind of mad. I, th- I think this beer lacks identity to me. I, I'm not mm-hmm. finding anything that I read on the can in this beer. This is almost going back to yeah, right. last week where, but in that case. That was mismarketed. It was mismarketed in good beer. But yeah. it was a very good beer. Yeah. But yeah. this... Doesn't match the can, up. and therefore I don't. I'm not saying this is a bad beer, but it's just it's it's a big nothing for me. You know what this is? Nothing burger. This is the Bud Light of brown ales. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a good way of putting it. <clears throat> that's harsh. I don't know if I'm going to put that on on the on the Twitter uh, post, uh, you know, and call out Rochester Rochester Mills and say the the, the Budweiser person. <laughs> The Bud Light. Bud Light. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter. Yes. Another milestone. So it's it's not just a milestone. Our Twitter is literally blowing up. And I'm not going to give the numbers, even though they're public. Go to Twitter. Yeah, check it out. And then follow us. Yeah. And then you'll know. But uh, something has happened. And I, I, I kind of have, I've been sort of investigating um, what it is. And I think it started with someone that had a lot of followers that then did a bunch of mentions of people and were all in this hashtag resist group. Hmm. And then that kind of started the ball rolling. I still don't understand Twitter. I work it, and we were slowly growing more followers sort of as I went along, you know, picking up two or three a day, four or five a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then this avalanche just happened. Uh, Literally, uh, at this point in time, not quite doubled our our followers in the last 36 hours, but almost, probably 40% more listeners than uh, in in just the last 36 Mm -hmm. hours. So uh, I think her name was uh, uh, Pam Pam Resistance or something like that. (laughs) Uh, Big shout out to, uh, to her. Um, but really kind of, uh, uh, kind of, kind of strange. And, um, uh, hopefully this also results in, in more listeners and I've been, uh, doing a few more posts, but it's been kind of exciting. You know, Pop-Tart hasn't been real happy about it because all I do is talk about Twitter and say, <laughs> I got to get back on Twitter and, you know, look at this person I'm following and this person mentioned You're us. not going to start spray tanning in orange, are you? <laughs> That's just how the stuff I'm starts. All about it's the like Twitter. gateway activity, you know. Uh, well, I think everybody out there that's listening to this podcast, if you're not a follower, jump on board and hashtag resist. And what's the other hashtag? Um, the the other part of this is um, hashtag FBR, which I believe. Um, that stands for follow back resistor yep. or follow back resist. So if you're part of that, then 
you know, if you're following them, they promise to follow you back. And, you know, I'm not quite sure um, how it kind of all works out that way. But, um, yeah, Pam Pam Resist was the one who was kind of started it um, with her first post on it. And there were, she did a mention of 19 of us. And I think all 19 have benefited from Pam Pam. Hmm. And, Thanks, and, and then every time that it's been retweeted, we have right. been part of that retweet. Yeah. And it's just a list. There, there was no... Grows exponentially. Um, but the, the list of the 17 or 19 of us, there was no context. Hmm. Like there was no, uh, you know, you know, resistors unite kind of thing. When I retweeted it, that's what I put down, you know. There's another one now, too, I see that I probably have to add. And that is uh, resistor forever. Oh no no no! Never mind. That's a that's a that's an account. That's not a hashtag. Okay, but anyway, we're excited. Um, you know, a milestone on Twitter, a milestone on episodes. Well, this is all on you too, and so props to you because you're the one who's stuck with it and scratched your head trying to figure out. I'm only doing it for listeners, though. Uh, well, I'm you just know, saying that, is that if it doesn't I, translate to re- listeners, uh, I will. I wouldn't have done it. Knobs. <laughs> Nobs, would you have done well, it? We know you wouldn't have done it because our Instagram I account is <laughs> under your responsibility. Well, there's probably two pictures there. <laughs> On Instagram? Are there? Do we have any? Yeah. Oh, okay. Are you, have you been working Instagram? Yeah. I thought that was his job. No. I put it in a friend's hands. I wouldn't. <laughs> it, nothing will get it's done not, that I'll way. admit, it's not consistent. But there's pictures there. Okay. Good. So follow us on Instagram. Do you, do, you, do you take some of the stuff that we post from the other two accounts and throw it up there? No, it's mostly beer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an integral part of our show. It so is. It is. No problem with that. No problem. People like pictures of beer. It's proven. Right? No, there was a, a guy from Turkey who was, I was talking to him about uh, M43. That's not even a joke. Really? Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, he had a can of M43 all the way over in Turkey. Get out of here. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. And now he's listening to Pottoms Up? I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. Guarantee it. Yeah. yeah. Pottoms Up to the, the Twitter up. thing. And milestones. Milestone. Way to go, Blato. Appreciate all the hard work. Well, I certainly do. You know, when our, when our show starts getting interrupted with advertising, then you can blame me. <laughs> Got to start somewhere, uh, right? Yeah. Where are we going to start today, Fred? I don't know. I mean, we, we, we took last week off from politics. Mm. Um, for those that uh, uh, didn't didn't realize that, go back and check out 49 to uh, hear a really fun episode with some local friends in the music scene. Just watch your eardrums. Yeah, it gets a little care, loud at times. Careful, we we were raucous. We had a good time. We had some technical issues combined with a lot of people, but it was an awesome episode. That was so much fun. But when we take that week off, you know, how much politics do we miss? <laughs> there wasn't really anything. I don't know. know. They, I, <laughs> World War Three. <laughs> I mean, when I was prepping for this show, I... In the minimal amount of prep that I do. There was almost not an episode 50. (laughs) 
I started kind of scrolling through the social media to find out what actually were some of the topics that took place that were happening that were, you know, talk, people were talking about last week. And I couldn't get past this week. <laughs> like, there was so much that just happened this week. So are we just sort of like, you know, okay, let's not go too far back into the archives and politics of one week old and just talk about what's happening you know, as we speak. I mean, they're related, right? I mean, you know. We're still bleeding over from last week's. Some of it, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but there are stories that I'm sure that we've missed, like saw smaller stories or, or, you know, kind of sub-stories of the big ones. Um, but anyway. Uh, Can I mention one? It's yeah, quick. Yeah, 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 you do. We talk about Notorious, it. RBG, cancer-free. Word. Yeah, yeah. That's even all yeah. I got to say about yeah. that. Word I, there's, there's nobody tougher. I know. Nobody tougher. Pottles up. And, and yeah. plus, RBG. that bastard Absolutely. turtle won't get a chance to fill her spot. So RBG hanging tough in the hood. Well, we're in an election year now anyway, so he can't nominate no, somebody. That's right, because it's too close to the election. Yeah, we're, 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 we've, we've hit that. We're in 2020. It's, it's the yeah. Mer- Merrick Garland rule. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thought I would sneak that one in because I was pretty happy about that. Um, so when did when did they take out Soleimani? I believe it was last Thursday. Was it last Thursday? Right. So it was a couple days. It was two days before we did forty nine, and yeah, we really, you know, didn't have a chance to to, to talk right. about it. Um, but now, since he has, I mean, again, we don't really need to talk about. Um. Well, the actual action of it, right? But what really seems to be the story right now is the reasons, the unraveling of the stories as to why. The justification yes. is what's in question. Better word. Yeah. <laughs> or lack of justification. Right, right, right. Uh, y- you know, I... One of the problems, and this is this is being mentioned in the news, and I think it's fair, and I get really frustrated with the news about a lot of things. Um, but one of the things that they've kind of mentioned is the lack of trust from this administration is borne out by the constant onslaught of lies and misrepresentations and omissions. So even even if what they're saying has truth to it, the natural incl- inclination for anyone that's not a Trump baser is going to say he's lying. Well, it, it doesn't help that you've got dear leader saying one thing and then you've got Pompeo saying another thing. It's the Secretary of State. They should be on the same page. They should be reading from the same intelligence, but one of those two don't read. Yeah. <laughs> We're not sure he can. I don't believe he can. Um, uh, Remember that thing I told you about that guy from Monroe? Yeah. That was the comment I made. He can't read. Yeah. And that's what he came after me for. <laughs> and that's when you shut it down. For yeah, your, yeah, I did. For your safety. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, that that's a, that's a sad state where... Because of the amount of lies that number three has 
you know, spilled out onto the public over and over again, it's kind of boy cries wolf kind of thing, right? We're not going to believe anything that he says. Now, in this particular case, I don't think we should believe him because I think there's evidence to show, like you said, with, you know, differing stories, people not on the same page, um, you know, Pompeo and his way of smugly, um, you know, parsing his words to say, well, listen more carefully to what exactly I said kind of bullshit. Um, there's lots of reason to believe that um, they didn't they, they didn't really have a, a really solid justification for what they did now. You know, taking Soleimani out as a as an enemy combatant, uh, I think is fine. I, I'm, you, you, I, I don't, look, we are, this is the argument that I'm, I'm having online with the, the whole Salamari thing. We are either in a theater of war or we are not. Like, if we're not in the theater of war in the Middle East, then what are we doing there? And if we're in the theater of war, then people are going to die. That's the nature of combat. That's the point of combat, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not that Soleimani couldn't have been knocked off. I mean, we could see him as an enemy. Uh, you know, he, he was a, uh, a state official, which makes it a little bit different. Others want to argue that he was just more than a, nothing more than a pure terrorist, but I but I think you know the semantics aside, but that also goes both ways, and that's that's where I get into this argument. We're over there killing people too, <laughs> so why do we feel like it's okay for us to escalate things? And when you're knocking off generals, that does escalate things, and state officials that does escalate. When we lose a soldier. In other words, have we put ourselves in a position now of being in a combat zone, being in a hostile environment, but we are supposed to have zero tolerance for casualties? What happens when the next American soldier gets killed in Iraq or Iran? I guess that would be Iraq, but you know. Does, does this mean that we're, we, we're now going to bomb something in Iran? Like a tit-for-tat thing? Is, is that kind of what this is about? <clears throat> is, 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 has this administration kind of... I mean, wasn't this sort of over the contractor that got killed? Kind of? That's, that's what they say. I, I kind of. I don't understand... So the this con- being a reaction to that. I, I don't get it either, but 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 they're they're painting themselves into that corner is what I'm saying. It's because they're lying. Like 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 here's 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 where I'm going with this. Just think for a second, hypothetical. Tomorrow we wake up and three American soldiers were ambushed and killed out on parole. On per- parole. <laughs> they probably pardon had them. it coming. Trouble pardon them, don't worry about it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> out, on, out on patrol, and, you know, and you know, they meet up with some bad guys and they get killed. What will our reaction be? Will our reaction be, this is war and this is what happens? Or does now 
Trump have to, you know, beat the drums and froth up the bass again uh, and then do something crazy? I think if you would have asked that question four or five years ago, yeah, it's, you know, casualty of war. We're in a hostile environment. That happens. But now it's completely different. We are not living in normal times, as I say. So there's going to be a reaction, and it has to be greater than whatever caused it. Right, but, I, but I, no, I think that's where we're at. Yeah. I, I do believe that's where we're at, but I think that's wrong. It, because if, if we're not right. there, we have troops over there, okay? Lots of them, right? 14,000, 15,000, whatever the numbers are. Oh, uh, I mean, just in Iraq. Oh, oh Iraq, yeah. no. I think, but, I think Iraq was like eight grand. You know, it's, it's like uh, 80,000 spread across everywhere over there, right? So we have troops over there. What is their point? <laughs> if they're not there to kill bad guys, and, you know, back here in, you know, America, right, we just believe that basically if you're not an American, you are a bad guy. <laughs> Wrongfully so, but that's kind of what the mentality is, right? So if they're not there to kill bad guys, who we don't even know if they really are or aren't, I'm not talking about Soleimani, right, but then what is your point of being there? Like what... So, so let's not just all freak out when a contractor dies or if they bomb us or, you know, kill some of our guys and we're going to kill some of their guys. Now, I, I still, killing Soleimani might have more disastrous repercussions uh, than if they just, you know, would have, you know... Wiped out a bunch of, of his of, of his armies. Oh, you mean like of sixty people getting trampled to death at his funeral, and a hundred and seventy eight in an airplane possibly going down? Is, uh, that, is that what you're talking about? Well, no, I mean if we kill them. But no, no, no. I'm talking. You're talking about the reaction to Soleimani getting killed. There is, there has been reaction at his funeral. There was like sixty eight people. Trampled to death. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's uh-huh. insane. They were. I, I think a it, huge it, crowd. It's, it's yeah, like, no, I've seen the crowds. I didn't know it was. Like, it's like something to do with they want to have their clothes touch his casket because then his essence or something yeah, okay. is with them. And so it so turned in the morning. Yeah, it, it turned into a stampede situation. Mm-hmm. It was like sixty-five or something in the sixties right were trampled, including children. You didn't even know about it, and you're a news guy. You don't. You didn't even right. No, about no, this is a totally new. That is direct collateral damage off of that one guy, and then yeah, no, but no, but it's it, not. It's not cause effect. No, no I, I, I'm. I'm just saying though. Is there are re- consequences and chain reactions and things that are going to occur? Yeah. because of a. Yeah, I'm. I'm just really. And then you mentioned the down of the airplane. I'm just talking about, you know, Iraqis and Iranians now seeking blood out of Americans. Right? And what form that will take. Because none of us believe that it's over. No. Right? I mean, you know, they, they lob some ballistic missiles and they don't hit anything. On purpose. Probably. Most um, likely. And... Mm. You know, we were well protected as it was. Anyway. They knew it was coming because um, the Iraqis heard from the Iranians and the Iraqis called us. Yeah. So everyone went underground in the bunkers. Yeah. Plus, yeah. They, they didn't aim them for 
they were not trying to kill anybody. They were just trying to put on a show, essentially. Um, but, you know, I don't think the Iranian people and the Iranian government are satisfied with that. So, you know, somewhere along the line, they, they are going to extract some blood out of us. Well, Soleimani was like the mastermind of all these proxy militias throughout the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So the the Iranians make the statement that this we've had our revenge. We've sent yep. these X amount of ballistic missiles your way. We're done. As long as you don't retaliate, we're done. Mm-hmm. But all their proxies, all their friends are going to start the terrorism attacks. Which has forced us to basically retreat. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're not chasing down bad guys right now. No, nope. they stopped the um, ISIS thing. Mm-hmm. The ISIS fighting with the Iraqis, yep. that's been suspended. Mm-hmm. And then Iraq, you know, I asked Iraq's one, is kicking us out. I, I asked one guy, I said, was suspending the fight against ISIS worth Soleimani? And his answer was yes. Really? Because he has to say that, right? They're mm-hmm. always backing themselves into a corner, mm-hmm. right? They're always going to... You know, if number three says this was the right thing to do, then they're going to back that all the time. So I, I, I don't, uh, I wasn't surprised really by, by his answer necessarily, but, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to imagine that it, that it was. And the other, the other thing, and, you know, maybe this will make, you know, a number of our new Twitter followers irate. I don't know. <laughs> got so many now um <laughs> uh I, I you know the news and the people us we have a tendency to fall for certain narratives right Soleimani was a bad guy Soleimani so? you know, a lot of those was responsible for hundreds thousands of American lives it went from 600 to tens of thousands did you notice when number three started speaking I'm I'm a natural skeptic. That's 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 my first place to be, right? My I'm asking like when and where. Like if this guy was that bad, how come I didn't hear of him before? Like why wasn't he in the news? You know? And and I'm not saying he wasn't a bad guy and that he wasn't responsible on the upper echelons of military uh uh structure, you know? That he wasn't responsible for American deaths. You know, I, I guess he, some people call him the mastermind behind IEDs. Well, again, that's a very simplistic way to label somebody. You know, Americans love labeling people masterminds. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's purely an American thing, by the way. I read an article about it one day. <laughs> hmm. um, but, you know, I mean, he is a general. We have been fighting people. I don't know, wars, ISIS, other militias, or whatever we're doing over there to kill people, right? And he's a general of some of those people. They're going to fight back, you know? I, I would like to hear, you know, what was, what was his big claim to fame against America? And just this ambiguous idea that he was... Um, you know, the mastermind behind, you know, uh, improvised explosive devices. I, what, whatever. I, I just got to roll my eyes, you know. And, and for the listener out there, I'm not really putting this forth as saying that I don't believe he was a bad guy. I'm just saying 
you know, check it at the door. Ask the question. You know, think to yourself, wait a minute. Remember how we got dragged into the war in Iraq. Remember what got us there first. You know, so many people, you know, just jump, of mass destruction. Just jumping on that bandwagon. There were the naysayers, but they got drowned out, you know, by both Republicans and Democrats. I mean, even a lot of Democrats saying he probably has them, but is he a big threat right now? You know, but he had them, right? And then it was a matter of whether he was a eminent threat. <laughs> but there was enough out there to say that not everyone believed it. Because I know that I didn't believe it. And just some of the things that I had heard and, 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 and wrote about back then. I think we talked about this on a previous episode a long time ago in our old chat group. The email one. You right, know? right. You know, when we were creating social media, we just didn't know how. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. whole, the whole justification thing it still kind of bugs me. It stinks. It, it stinks. Because... I believe that Dear Leader did this under the 2001 uh, or 2002 War Powers Act or whatever it is that happened because of 9-11. Yeah. Right? But if I'm not mistaken, within that, they there was no justification for going after a uniformed official of another country. They were talking about the Osama bin Ladens of the world, the terrorist, yeah. the, the no-state individual. This guy is a major general, considered the second highest military, well, not military, but second highest most powerful person in Iran. Mm -hmm. A mastermind. A mastermind, from what I hear. <laughs> and they target this guy... And the justification just doesn't seem there. They said it's because of um, him attacking uh, embassies. But then Pompeo says, we don't know exactly when and we don't know exactly where. That it, the, the, it is, yeah, the, uh, I'm, 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 not, I'm speechless about it. Fred. I'm not I, I, saying I, that I, I'm sorry the guy is gone or whatever because I'm sure he's probably deserved it or whatever. Well, it, but where's, 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 where's the wag the dog in all of this? The only reason he deserved it was because he was a combatant. Yeah, he's he, in the military. You, you know what I'm saying? He, he, I don't know that he deserved it because he was, um, uh, you know, Attila the Hun, right? I, I mean, you know, we want to paint him that way because in America... If we kill you, it's the right thing to do. And if you kill us, well, now we have more reason to kill you, right? So, you know, I just don't think we should ever fall into that trap of, of, of saying, you know, we're righteous. God is on our side. Great Bob Dylan song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, Always sneaking the Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Um, uh, yeah, so I think that um, you know, we just have to be careful and, and, and question when things you know, what, what don't look quite right. 
Well, and, and that's what this does. Do you do you feel there's any wag the dog involved in this? I mean, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, but I mean, you don't hear a lot of people saying it in those terms. At least I haven't heard that. It's like they got super razor thin, flimsy justification for doing it. I've, I've seen a few things. What's the, what's the bigger point? But you're right. The, the major media isn't going to go out there and say that. Why? Because they're afraid of them making it seem like they they you know didn't want this guy dead. I mean I mean that's the way that the conservatives that's why the Trumpers are purporting this right now. Anytime you know a Democrat comes out and says you know well um, you know what was the justification for killing this guy because what we're hearing doesn't add up, and then all of a sudden the Trumpsters turn around and say. Uh, he's mourning, mourning the death of Soleimani, and they obviously are traitors wanting to aid and abet the enemy. I mean, it, and unfortunately, I mean, it, it, it's, it's so frustrating. They win that argument. The amount, they, of, they the amount of people I've seen online that are just pro-glassing Iran is insane. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've had that. Okay, so it's, it's so, so so where does this sort of end, right? If this escalates, you know, and obviously it's not even practical. I mean, let's you know, it's an insane thing mm-hmm. to say. Yeah, again, it's you know, it's chest pounding, right? right? You know, you know, it's an ins- it's be- it's beyond insane to say. Okay, we're just gonna wipe it off the map. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've seen it more times than I can count in the last week, though. I, I don't. Okay, before I go get there with with kind of the end game, back to your point, Fred. Um, you know, Pompeo's um, presser was it today? I think it was, or was it yesterday? Today. I think it was today. You know, where he was challenged on the definition of eminent. Yeah. And. You know, you you just want to slap him. You you just want to slap him. I mean, his definition of eminent is whatever he wants it to be at the time, you know. He basically said, it's going to happen. We don't know where. We, we don't, don't know, know when. when. But then... But it was going to happen. But now it's going to happen to four embassies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four. Well, he didn't say that. Uh, and they didn't tell that... To the, the the Congress or the Gang of Eight. Can you imagine that? You're in the Gang of Eight. You you go into the skiff. You're with these clowns, and they don't they don't show you any substantial intelligence, right. intelligence that proves justification. Then the whole Congress gets it, and you got those Republicans coming out. You know, Ran was it Rand Paul and uh, Mike Lee. Mike Lee. Those guys were spitting bullets, man. Yeah, especially were, Lee. Especially <laughs> Lee. Uh, and, and, you know, then you have the toadies, right? Then you have the guys that are in solidly Trump districts. Oh, who, absolutely. Who are just going to just, yeah, go out there and, and repeat what, what Trump said. The whole po- as near as I can put together, the whole point of that briefing was to get on board politically. The you, Republicans? Yeah. You are with us. You know what I mean? This is a great briefing. We gave you awesome information. And it would be bad politics for you to 
want to narrow the power of the president when it comes to additional war making. And that's what that briefing was about. That's, <laughs> that's really what they did. They were getting in front of um, the, uh, a new War Powers Act, and, and, and that's what Mike Lee was so upset about. Mike Lee wasn't, wasn't really that upset about the content. He was upset about the pressure that he was being put under to say, we always have to fall in line with the president. And, and, and it, in which case, when you look at that, his story is even bigger, in my opinion. I mean, that's when you really saw someone that has just had it up to here with having to toe the line constantly with Trump and McConnell, you know. You know what else kind of has chapped my ass about this whole thing is who has been the punch and dummy for dear leader for the last three years as far as an institution in our country? Intelligence. Intelligence. Okay. Intelligence. I know you want a specific person. Yeah, I, well, intelligence as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Community. They're after him. They They are, you know, doing all these things. There's bad cops. Yeah. There's this and that. They're garbage. They're useless. Mm-hmm. They're after me. This is the worst thing ever in history. But yet, he, all of a sudden, he wants us to believe their intelligence from this, that justifies what he has started. Yeah. Where's that stuff coming from? Intelligence community. You, you can't have it both yeah. ways unless you're dear leader. Well, I don't know that you can't have that both ways. Now, he's been kicking their teeth in. I, I know, how, but, how many but, but, officials from the intelligence community have been ruined at the hand of this guy? And, and I and I and I understand that. But at the same time, again, I'm going to wear my skeptical tinfoil hat here. Is there are times that I will believe the intelligence, and there's times that you can be more skeptical of it. You know, and that's brought upon because of the war in Iraq and the WMDs. You know, I. I, I I'm not. Uh, I think that Trump's wrong about the ones that he cherry picks, <laughs> but I'm not sure just cherry picking is that bad. I mean, hey, I trust our intelligence way more than I don't, and I believe that by and large, the people in charge of our intelligence agencies and the doers below them are looking out for America's best interest. They're they're law enforcement people in one way or another and you know they 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 try to be apolitical. But at the same time there are those that are not where I'm going to disagree with number 3 is that you know which pieces of of um, intelligence is he going to cherry pick? I mean, I, I go go back to you know Comey's a mixed bag, right? I mean, what Comey did to Clinton was awful. Yep. So, am I blaming the FBI for that, or am I blaming Comey? Am I blame you know? But other things Comey did were good. So, I you know what I'm saying? It's it. I just can't say I can't trust Comey anymore because of the way that he threw Clinton under the bus twice and you know backed over. With it again, right? I mean, I just, I, but at the same time, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna lean more towards I'm trusting them. You know, it's it just, it's just so transparent with Trump. I, I mean, if it helps him, 
he believes it. If it doesn't, he doesn't. I mean, it's just it's it's just that simple. Okay. Don't you think so? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, that that. Um. I mean, right now, I I couldn't <clears throat> come up with another example where um, you know I, I I don't trust the intelligence. You know. You you look at. But but let me throw another thing at you too, though. Okay, and, and I don't want to derail your thought. Why isn't intelligence doing more to bring down Trump? They're, they're probably worried about their jobs. At some point. Is it their job? I, I mean, the, the whistleblower was an intelligence guy. I, I, yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is. Is it everyone's job? Yep. That's... American citizens? Yeah. 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 Okay. I'll go with that. It's not their job to take him down. It's their job to take him down if he's done something that's harming the country. Okay. All they're, right. They're so where's the intelligence shows. guys that are going to come forward and say, we were on this Soleimani thing, and we never told the president that there was an eminent threat. In fact, we told him there was no eminent threat and that this is your last possible option. Where are those patriots? They probably are not going to, if they don't come forward as a whistleblower, they're probably not coming forward because they got families, they got jobs, careers. Fuck all that. Come I, forward. I, you are preaching to the choir. But that's why. That's why I can be skeptical. I, I'm just saying that. All, it, it, and it's you know what? It's in all the, the enablers that have got us to this place. Yeah, in the, in the it, it is. It's whether we, it's the enablers that we know of, like McConnell and you know Cruz and you know whoever else and Pompeo and right. We we know about those enablers, but there's lots of enablers that we bar. don't know there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking bar. That yeah. Peter Griffin, that fat bastard. And, and again, yes, they have their nose to the grindstone and they're doing what is right on their day in and day out jobs, but. You know, but but look at this. Here here's another thing about these heroes that we're hoping will come forward. They get no support from the people on top, like State Department. I'm shocked the amount of people that came forward from the State Department with Pompeo as being mm-hmm. their supervisor or whatever, because that guy did not have their backs, right. which is unusual for those institutions because. Right. CIA, FBI, State Department, they look at themselves as a family with a mission, uh, for the most part, no partisanship. In, yep. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And they look out for each other. But we're not in that era anymore because... Well, they did a little bit with Yanovich. Like, they, they had her back as best as they... As Pompeo? Best they, no, the rest of the State Department. Well, sure, th- those, those are all peers. Yeah. But I'm talking about the the people at the top, the Pompeos of the world, the, the right. bars. Right, no, no, we the know world. they're going to act, you know, in a way that only they see for themselves politically, which right now is aligned with Trump. I'm just talking about in the State Department, there were a number of, of other players within the State Department that still stuck up, stood up for Yanovich. You know what I mean, and 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 some of those came forward. 
Right. We need more of that. That's what oh. I mean. We need more in the intel. I, community, I couldn't agree. You know? And we're not getting enough of that, especially in the intel community where Trump just gets up there and, and, and gets to lie and people in the know uh, bite their tongue. Well, it's, he, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not entirely their fault. Well, I mean, <laughs> but, he, but come on, people. If, if you look at the guy or gal who was the whistleblower. Those people are supposed to be protected, and look what look what I know. I know dumbass is allowed to do right to out in wide no, it's open intimidation. It, go it after him, witness, witness tampering. Mm-hmm. No one does shit all about it. So, so you're asking why don't these peop- these patriots come forward? Because the reality of things is, they have families, they got mortgage, and and I, I'm not making I'm I I don't think I'm making excuses for that. I'm I'm just saying they have careers and they see what happens to people that do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what are they saying? Which is why it's even more important to protect the whistleblower. Well, if the the whistleblower thing worked the way it's supposed to without the interference from the Trumps of the world, you probably would be seeing a lot more, Mm. I think. But they can see that it's not working the way it's supposed to. They're trying to drag is, the whistleblower okay. in front of the Senate. And I don't know if I would act any different. Trial. Right? I, I mean, I've been in corporate America my whole life. If I've seen things, I'd be like, yeah, somebody ought to say something, right? But the ramifications of those things are pretty minimal <laughs> in the, you know, in the grand scheme, grand of, scheme of the world. Of, you know, here... The ramifications are enormous. I, I don't know how you do it. I don't. I, and again, maybe I would be the same way. Maybe I would just be like, you know what? I want to, you know, walk on by with the blinders. I see nothing. You know what I mean? Like Sergeant know, Schultz. Schultz. Yeah, yeah. I see Schultz. nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and we've, we, come we, we've we've probably all have situations where we've done that before. Just, you know what? Not getting involved. I don't want to get involved. Right? You know. You know. Some some old man's getting the shit kicked out of him on the street corner. You decide whether you're going to get involved or not. But I, I we just need more. We just need more whistleblowers because it's there. There's no question, especially on this situation. There's there's there there was no eminent threat. I, of course I, I, there wasn't. Just you know. Define is. <laughs> okay, Pompeo. I mean, you know, it's the same thing, right? Right. I don't think I even used the word is. <laughs> there was no eminent threat. They say there is no eminent threat. I don't know. <laughs> was. Define was. Define was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess we've beaten that horse to death. Uh, should we talk about the other the other big eye other than Iraq? Sure. Yeah, there's been some movement, so I think it's uh, time to chat about it. Catch up. Yeah, catch up. Uh-huh. Um, how you want to start? You want to, you want to start with uh, articles moving over? You want to start with... Uh, well, how, how about we start with the articles not moving over and what has been produced because of that? Mm-hmm. Maybe not because of it, but because of the delay stuff has come out. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, Bolton? Bolton comes to mind as, as, as the big one. Um, 
You know, I, I don't know what Bolton's game is. I think it's the book. It, it, you know, I, I said to you on the drive over today, is, is what, what was it? Is Bolton's biggest fan Bolton? <laughs> like, I, I believe like, it like, is. Like, what's more important to him? Him and his book and his legacy or supporting Trump? Because it, it's... At this it, point, it's his book. Well... I think it's a book. So then, he's willing to testify because if he gets to say some of these things that he knows out in a public forum under oath in front of Congress, then he doesn't have to get them vetted out of the book. Yeah, because anything in his book has to be vetted by... Lots of departments. Lots of departments. Any department that's affected, they have to say yes or no. So his book could get shredded where it didn't make any sense. So I think what he's doing is he's calculating that if I want this book to go through, I have to get it out in front of people so it can't be vetted. Okay, but does he really want to testify? Because if he really wanted to testify, he could testify. Like, like he, he could make that arrangement with the House today. But the subpoena... See, the, the thing about him is he's a political animal. And, and he knows he has plenty of years left with the, the Republican Party... So the subpoena gives him cover. The subpoena said I had to mm-hmm. testify. So he he's he doesn't need that. Not really. He's using that as cover. But what if what if the cover doesn't ever need to be come into play? What if he just what, what if he just never gets called? Then then he's he's missed out on that opportunity that he wants. I mean he he has to consider that is going to be a possibility. In fact, I would say it's the most likely possibility. I don't think he will be called in the Senate. And and I don't know, for the life of me, I cannot understand why Schiff is not going to bring him into the House Intelligence Committee. I don't get it either. What, are they, what, what, do, they ha- what do they have to lose? Nothing to lose. Nothing. And, Only to gain. And I, and, I, and I don't think he'll testify. I do not believe he'll testify. I'm not, Senate, I'm, not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced yet that Bolton wants to testify. I'm kind of, you know, in the camp of like nothing ever fucking happens. <laughs> we just talk about it. The media just talks about it. But there is no great bombshell that's going to happen that is going to make any of this, you know, become anything more than the political game that it is appearing to be. I... You know, the articles are going to move over to the Senate next week. McConnell's going to have opening arguments. He's going to go through whatever procedures he feels necessary to give him plausible deniability about the rest of it. And then the gavel comes down and it's over. That's what's going to happen. And for the Democrats, well, Pelosi knows this. Pelosi knows this. And she's doing what she can to prevent it. But what I don't understand is why is everybody else playing along with these these you know pie in the sky notions well will they get will they get four senators to uh, to, to, to vote for witnesses um, you know will Bolton testify the answer is no 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 will Trump finally be you know convicted no 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 none of that will happen and it just boggles the mind you know we were listening to some uh, radio on the way up here, some political radio, and I think it was the Ari Melber show, and he was talking about, 
you know, well, what if, what if keeping you up, buddy? What, <laughs> what if they, uh, you know, they get Bolton to testify? What if they get four senators to to vote on witnesses? That's that's not going to happen. McConnell runs the Senate, and he runs it really well for his party. They, you know, Susan Collins and Murkowski. They're so full of shit. I, I don't. I don't know how anyone would vote for somebody so mealy, right? They're so. They're, they're, they're After abs- the Kavanaugh thing. Yeah, they're, they're so. They, they were so. But they were so exposed. Yeah. Yeah. No, they really were. And and and, they, you know, I don't know whether it's going to cost them. See, that's the other part that really pisses me off, is, you know, everyone's saying it's going to cost them in elections. It's going to cost them in the ballot. They're in battleground states. They. You know, they have a, a, a tough re-election fight. So far, none of that has seemed to move the needle. That's where I go back to nothing is going to fucking happen, you know? You know, I, I, I don't, you know, what is McConnell and, and Susan Collins talking about? You, right? What's the backdoor discussion? You can vote for witnesses. I got 50 others that are good with me. You know, I got 51 others that are going to side with me. So, you know, we're going to protect you that way. And you can go back to your constituents and say, I voted for witnesses. I don't even like those arguments. Like as a constituent, okay, I want my party to do the right thing. You know, and and I'm probably going to vote out a person who's not being a part of the right thing, even if they voted this way or that way. There might be some exceptions to that. But I want the party to do the right thing. If I don't get the results I want and my only vote is that person, right? Like if you're a Susan Collins constituent and you believe that she should vote for witnesses, or no, I'm sorry, and you believe that there should be witnesses and she votes for them, but the witnesses don't come, are you saying, you know what, I'll reelect her because she did vote that way? I, 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 no, you're going to be like, you know what, you're part of this whole, you know, you're an accomplice in the whole fucking rig. So I'm voting you out anyway. I just don't, I just don't buy the argument that, well, we'll protect you with this because you get to vote that way. I, it, swamp. Very. Swamp, swamp, swamp. Very, very swampy. So I, I, I just don't think that, and what I want to see... And, you know, I ranted about this on the way up here. What I want to see is the media starting to call this out. The media starting to say McConnell is never going to have witnesses. Not McConnell's going to bring up the case of witnesses and maybe they'll get 51 people to vote for it after the trial start. Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> you know what I mean? The media's got to start just saying McConnell's never going to bring witnesses. Let him prove you wrong. Put the onus back on them. Call them out for being, uh, you know, and uh, the the partisan hack that he is. Instead of you know letting him hide behind these these, you know, and he says this is the same thing as the as the Clinton impeachment. No, it's not. It's nothing like it. It's there's, there's nothing like it. Okay, yes, you did vote on witnesses after the trial started. But you also had lots of documentation and well, there testimony. Was, there was a grand jury. Yeah, you, yeah, you had all these things that took place leading up to the trial that had tons and tons of information. Uh, 
other than just what the House was able to bring in and put on their pseudo-grand jury sort of investigation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not even close to the same thing. And, <laughs> and that ticked me off, too. Like, okay, I probably didn't think of this, but I don't think I would have been, you know, uh, moving the needle myself. But why in the fuck didn't the Democrats think of this? Why aren't the Democrats saying, okay, McConnell's going to play this this way, so we have to do it this way. McConnell's going to say that we didn't bring witnesses to the party until the trial already began. So we're not going to talk about witnesses. We're going to say, you know what? We want witnesses. We're cool with that. We want witnesses to be voted on after the trial starts. But because we want it to be like the... uh, the, the Clinton impeachment, we need affidavits and we need testimony and we need, you know, uh, investigation and all this other stuff and documents all turned over beforehand. If they knew they were going to lose the witness argument, see, this is where the media controls too much. You know, witnesses. It was all about the witnesses. How about those 20 emails from Mulvaney over to the DOD? That's that, you know. So what? So that's the game they should have played. If they know they're going to lose to McConnell on certain things, why do they chase them down? Because it's going to affect them in the ballot box? No, that's that doesn't happen. That's what doesn't happen. You know, I was so pissed at at, at Schiff the other day on um, uh, Andrea Mitchell's show, and his whole line. They asked him if he was going to bring in Bolton, and his whole spiel was. You know, we hope that the, the the Senate will do the right thing and, you know, it, it'll be, uh, uh, you know, country above party and blah, blah, blah. I almost threw my shoe at the television. It's like, you really think McConnell is going to listen to that? That, 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 that he's going to do the right thing? There's well, no hope of that. There's, there's zero hope of that. He so was I, up at the White House this week coordinating with... Yeah, so, I'm like, I, so, how, so why is Schiff saying that? You know what I mean? When I heard Schiff was going to be on that show, I tuned in, man. I was like, oh, he's going to announce it. Bolton's going to, he's going to t- say. And all he said was, it's not off the table, but, and then he went on for a whole bunch of other stuff. And then I'm reading my Facebook feed and I'm seeing all these things that say, Schiff says it's not off the table. Do they not understand political speak? When you say it's not off the table, but, that means it's off the table. <laughs> I mean, it's like elementary on that stuff. Oh, my God. Uh, I need a beer. <laughs> it's been a rough week. <laughs> <laughs> you just let it all out. <laughs> let it all go, Blotto. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> something's got to happen. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's what we we need. Something has got to happen. Yeah. 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 How are we doing on time? Hour two. So we're ready for a beer. I'm always ready for a beer. Okay. What do we got for number two, Blotto? Well, what do we have? We got a uh, Dark Horse Brewing. Horse? Yeah. What was that? <laughs> horse? Dark Horse? It was a... <laughs> 
it was the horse throat, see, yeah. you know. It was the Mr. Ed version of Dark Wilbur. Horse. From Marshall, Michigan. I, I believe we've done at least one of theirs. Uh, yeah, Scotty Karate. It's not, it's not a popular brewery. Isn't that uh, Dark Scotty horse? Karate is like one of our yeah, yeah, Hall of Famers. Yeah. yeah, no, it is, it is. If we ever have that uh, Hall of Famer show, yeah, Scotty should. Karate might be there. So, so, you know, you think about, you know, names like Scotty Karate. Uh, this one... Uh, also very creative. Uh, check to the head uh, <laughs> with a hockey theme. And it's got a great label of uh, this guy just getting wrecked with an elbow. Got some teeth popping out. They almost make him look like a zombie. Yeah. It's well, borderline yeah. zombie, but it's a hockey player. Um, and it is a cream ale. Um, I, I love what they've written on the can. A cream ale brewed with Michigan hops for a slap shot to the nose of citrus and tropical aromas. The lower IB, ABV of 4.5% is not a one-timer. As a slight red tint. So I'm, I'm curious as to the red tint. That's, that's an interesting angle. They're saying, we kept the alcohol level down so you could have more than one. Where most people are going... This is kissing my sister. Yeah, right, right. Doesn't right. everybody say that? Um, <laughs> Literally no one else. Yeah, yeah. It's like a really old term, right? Yeah, well. Um, or a southern term. Well. Uh, so the slight red tint. Uh, what? Maybe. Red? No. Uh, no, I'm, 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 I'm getting I'm tired of it. being lied to. No, I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. You're, it, it's, You're it's, seeing it because you want to see it. Right. But it, it's slight. So they, they dropped, you know, some some red food coloring in there. <laughs> As bounce hop notes skate on the tongue, you're left wondering why you never took a shot at professional hockey, and then you realize that you're much better suited to be driving the ice resurfacer. Clumsy. <laughs> Have another check to the head. Ice resurfacer. Um, like a Zamboni. Right. Which is a brand name, yes. which is why they can't use or, or don't have permission or sought permission. Like Kleenex, Q-Tail, uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah, Zam- Zamboni is the, the biggest producer of those Ice machines. resurfacers. But there's other ones out there that don't say Zamboni on Like? I don't know. Literally no one else knows. No, there are other resurfacers. There's, there's other ones, but no one knows them. Right. <laughs> right. This is a different beer. <laughs> no, no, I mean that it in, doesn't a, in get, a positive way. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, you know the the aroma is nice. It's it's certainly. I don't know if I if I see it's a shot to the nose. Mm. You know the the aroma is subtle. I think proboscis. Hmm. Hmm. It's much different than a beer numero uno. Uh, do we want to settle in on that? I'm. I'm. I'm I enjoyed it. I. I didn't get it. It's meh. I started liking it more as I got a little bit further down in. So it's a high meh. A high meh. Yeah, still that's a meh. I may no. I'm gonna go not for me. Wow. Okay. That's, that's tough. I'm gonna go for me. I'm, okay. I'm I'm thinking I would order another one. Yeah. I wouldn't turn one down. She no talk. That's, that's your high. She no talk. Yeah. That's your high meh. But that's oh. but you know what a meh doesn't mean you turn it down. That's only a not for me. So I think I think meh's worthy. And I think having one of each 
mm-hmm. is fair enough. Yeah. Uh, anyway, initial reactions on this one. Nops. No, I don't like it. Hmm. And Fred? I kind of like it. I think it's sort of refreshing. Maybe it's just I'm recoiling from the first one. But that's not fair. I was just joking. Um, I find it very lacking. Yeah. Very lacking. Is this an is this a cream ale or is this a pilsner? <laughs> There's not much creaminess to it. Um, it's purely cream ale. They didn't really talk about any particular flavor notes to it. Some citrus and tropical aromas. Um, uh, in earnest, we tried to find out what the IBUs were and came up empty on that, right now? Yep, empty net. But, oh, love it. Whoa. Um, Pheasant. But uh, there is a picture of a guy on the can next to the IBU specification. He's got his baseball hat on backwards and... A great big bushy beard. Well, it looks like a half a beard or something. I, I, or has he got one of those pillows that you wear on your neck when you're on an airplane? I can't figure it out. <laughs> I think it's a beard. Um, do you see what I'm so- talking about, though? It, it, it looks lopsided. Right. It's weird. It's the artist's interpretation of a beard. Do you see this is unfiltered and unpasteurized? Yeah. Does that mean we're going to get sick? Er. It might. (laughs) (laughs) It's really pretty, uh, uh, a fairly sad day. Um, In uh, mourning, you know, a member of one of our favorite bands, and especially uh, Fred's. Yeah. I'm not... Um, I'm not going to try and keep up with the Freds here on, um, you know, his his uh, fanaticism of Rush. So I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, well, today the, the Rush family lost a huge piece of the puzzle. Uh, Neil Peart passed away, I guess, today from brain cancer. I I didn't get a chance to actually read the article. I think it was announced today. Oh, but see, that's what I mean. I think it happened a few days prior, but they just finally announced it publicly. Okay. I was driving, and Half Pint sent me a message, and I'm on the freeway, and I literally, it felt like I got punched in the gut, and I just kind of went numb for a minute. I mean, I kind of zoned out because Neil Peart is like, has always been, since I was a teenager, my number one drummer. That's when I was kind of turned on to Rush, and that's a long-ass time ago. It's over 40 years ago, like 42 years ago maybe. And and, and he was only 67, right? Is that what yeah. I saw? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because they started when they were so young. Yeah, they were in high school. Actually, he wasn't the original drummer for the band. He came along after their first album. So I guess maybe 42 years is a little much, but... 40-ish. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, you know, bottoms up to memory of Neil. He was an amazing musician. um, And most people probably are not familiar with the Rush lyrics, but they're very complex and story-like, and he was the mastermind (laughs) behind the lyrics. I mean, he... He not only was probably one of the best drummers that ever lived, 
but he also had the knack for writing these real intricate um, stories, similar to stuff like Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. They were along that kind of lines, kind of cerebral stories, I guess you call it. Well, when I think of Rush, I, I, I think of a very sort of, you know, cerebral, cranial band, uh, you know, both in the lyrics, but also in their composition and in their ability. I mean, I, I oh, don't think God. you can be that accomplished and not have some higher level of intelligence, right? Uh, it, would, it would seem to me. And, you know, each member of, of that band really, um, uh, you know, kind of proved that. You know, when I, when I think of Neil Peart, I think, um, you know, rig. Like, what, what a drum rig, right? I mean... Uh, maybe second to none in, in, in the world of rock and roll drummers. And you know, you want to know what else, though? And, and I was thinking about the because I knew we'd be talking about this. And I was thinking about it. Not only did he always have one of the biggest drum kits you'll ever mm-hmm. see, he used it all. Right, Whereas right. You see a lot of guys that have big drum kits, Right, they're but using the, the bass and snare yeah, and the high top, and that's it. Presses <laughs> for show. Pretty much, yeah. but Neil Peart pretty much used everything. I remember when I saw them... Again, because that goes back to the complexity of their music. Yeah, yeah. But he actually had a drum kit where he physically, it was like a donut around mm-hmm. him, yep. completely around right. him. And at one point in the show, it starts rotating it, and he's playing as the entire ah, I love it. kit wow. is I spinning love it. around him, not yeah. missing a beat. Yeah, not, it still not sounds missing. good. He's oh. not just banging on him like a chimpanzee. No. You know? Yeah. He's, he's, he's still just uh, putting it all together. Yeah. The, the whole Rush thing, it, it kind of cracks me up. You know, you think about them as a band because another amazing thing about them is they were only a three-piece. A lot of a lot of noise for they, three people. They made an amazing amount of noise for three people, and the things they did and do because they were, two of them are still with us. They they stood out and did it differently. Mm-hmm. Like you had Getty Lee singing in a falsetto. Who right. the hell sings in a falsetto yeah. like the Bee Gees? Got away with it. Pure rock and roll. And Alex Lifeson on guitar, phenomenal mm-hmm. guitar player. And then Neil Peart, he, he, a lot of times he would drive the other two crazy because when he would write his drum parts, he, the, the, the beats he was using were so difficult. But the other two were proficient enough that they could do it. And, and that's also what made them phenomenal because he made it, he made them work. They're, they rush never takes a song off. It's always a difficult, intricate song. And I think people that don't even understand music kind of appreciate that. And, and another thing to me, rush over all the time were always true to themselves. Because you go to a Rush concert, it was a sausage fest. It was yeah, it yeah. was ninety <laughs> percent <Yeah>. guys. <laughs> but you know what? They were always there. They sold out everywhere they went, and, I, and they, I, they, I, they they didn't change to try and pull in mm-hmm. the girls and go commercial because that wasn't what they did. They stuck with it for over all those years, 
and they eventually gain recognition. I, I regret to, to say that I, I've never saw them live. No? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's only a few bands that, you know, I haven't seen that I really w- wish I would have, especially back in the day. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, know, I never did see them. That was my first real true rock concert down at Kobo Arena. My sister lent me her car. I'm trying to think who the hell I went with. That I'm not entirely sure. But we ended up partying, having a great time, and I couldn't find her car. <laughs> <laughs> it's in February, downtown Detroit. It's freezing. We're down on the waterfront. I can't find my sister's car. <laughs> At your first concert. Huh? At your first concert. Yep. Okay. I, we're we're going to get back to Russia in a second, but I, I have a parallel story. Uh, the first concert that I went to was Bob Seger when he was back in Detroit on the tail end of the Silver Bullet Tour. So he, he started there. Live Bullet? Um, yeah, the Live Bullet. So he started there. That's where Live Bullet uh, was recorded and then ended there. So it was uh, 77. I think Live Bullet was 76. I went with uh, the Dill and mm-hmm. his mom, and we parked in the Kobo uh, parking garage, and then... She locked her keys in the car while the car was running. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, and we're supposed to go into the show, you know? And I remember just thinking, oh, somehow or another, this is going to mess us up. You know what I mean? Like, now we're not going to be able to see the concert. But, you know, we, we were. And, and when we, she, she told security, and when we came back out, they had the keys out. They had, you know, they had taken care of it. <laughs> but anyway... Problem solved. Yeah, but it was a panic moment. Real world you know? problems. Yeah. And today, it's almost impossible to do that with, with cars, right? But anyway, back to, uh, back, to, back to Russia. Yeah, I certainly regret never seeing them in concert. Um, and uh, also, um, you know, when you were going through the members of the band and you said, you know, how much music they made, Getty Lee singing in falsetto, you also forgot to mention that he played bass and keyboards all at the same time while he was singing. <laughs> yep. And he played he played keyboard with his hand and with his feet. It, with his feet, right. Right. With he had some sort of pedal set up there yep. and, and then playing bass. And singing. singing. Yeah. I, I, I sort of play in a band and I play and sing, and that is the most difficult thing to try and get your brain to function that way. When you see somebody that can do, do th- two instruments. Two instruments and singing. It just, it blows my mind. Yeah. Flawless stuff, too. I read an article one time about Rush, and uh, like with many of my details, they could be a little bit fuzzy. But it was about their big break came, believe it or not, uh, warming up for Kiss. No, that's absolutely true. And... Uh, Kiss was just becoming like a headliner, right? They were just sort of peaking. And uh, so they were on tour, and I want to say they were in New York City, maybe. Uh, And after the show, uh, the party at the hotel starts, and it's, you know, you know, Kiss type Kiss party, after right? party. Yeah, you know, just, you know, 
girls and all the other finer debaucheries of life. And there was <laughs> nobody from Rush. And they were the warm-up <laughs> band. And I, I, I think uh, it was an interview they had with Getty Lee. I, I think Getty Lee said it, it was maybe Gene Simmons who knocked on their their uh, hotel door wondering what was up, you know. Where and, are you guys? <laughs> and he opens up the door and Gene probably has, you know, two little trollops uh, uh, hanging on him. And <laughs> the three of them are sitting in there playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. And, uh, and Gene Simmons is like, what is with you guys? You make great rock and roll, but you know, you're know you not rock and roll stars. And they're like, we're good. Have a good time. It's like the Hansons you know, from Slapshot. You know, right. Now, they brought their fucking was, toys. Was, <laughs> I mean, and again, they were playing some sort of board game. Was Dungeons and Dragons around in like 75? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's what so they're, so they're doing. And that's and that's who they were. When you said they were always true to themselves. They were. You, you know. They, uh, they did not waver and their fans repaid them. They had a a lethally loyal fan base. So Yeah, they they really did. Huge. Yeah. And it, and it, it, I always thought it was sort of sad that with all the success they had, which they did, I mean, album sales through the roof, touring sales through the roof, the Hall of Fame always sort of snubbed them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they didn't play the game that everybody else did, you know. They didn't conform. They just stayed, like I say, true to what they were. And mm -hmm. they, they just figured they weren't going to change for the industry. They were going to do what they were going to do. And did did you ever see their rock and roll induction in the Hall of Fame? I don't did, believe so, but I might have. Well, you would have remembered it. Okay. Because... Alex Lifeson basically got the microphone and he said, blah, 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 for about five minutes. Thank you very much. And they walked off stage. And I thought that was pretty fitting. Mm -hmm. It's like, F you. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been out there kicking ass for 30 years. Well, I think there's and multiple messages in there because they're also saying that this is not why they played, you know. And although it's nice, it doesn't really mean anything to them, you know. I, I don't know if it was all just an F you. Oh, they, they have a good sense of humor, and they're odd guys, for they, sure. They're odd guys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what else I thought was uh, Neil Peart was a, a very interesting guy. They called him the professor, super cerebral, super smart, kind of an odd guy. Even sometimes they would stay away from him because he was just kind of an unpredictable guy. But what was cool about him, I thought, is like when they were out on tours, big tours, he a lot of times he did not travel with the band. He was a, a motorcycle enthusiast. He had kind of like this on-off-road BMW bike, and he would ride these hundreds and hundreds of miles between locations they were I picture him behind the bus no no but no. you know what I mean just he, sort of like just just cruising right. behind the bus do rag uh -huh. on you know sort of easy rider-ish no what he would do actually it, and if you see some documentary there's a couple good documentaries about them out there um 
he would get done with the final song and literally he would run to the bus, get his leathers on, helmet, and he'd be gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he showered, nothing. He would just go. <laughs> and next thing you know, they would just run into yeah. him whenever. Well, if, you know, if, if, he, <laughs> if, he's got, he if, if he's got peeps to take down his kid. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I thought you said kid. I'm going, what yeah, are you talking like, about? weird. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I was reading that he never, like, Came out in front to like stand with the band and do a you know bow or wave for the crowd. Nope. Never did like meet and greets or anything. I, he, no, because he was he was very socially awkward yeah. in, in a lot of ways, and he just didn't want to be bothered. He he saw it as a job, and he was going to perfect it. And yeah, a lot of times he would. And just, you mentioned um, he was the second drummer, so uh, you know whatever whatever happened there, they you know they. Did they find him? Do you know? Like, did they were they seeking a drummer, mm-hmm. and then they basically hired him not because he was a friend or because of new, you know, it's like whoa, this guy can can do what we're asking him to do, and that's why he always just always you know maintained his own separation with the band. I think a lot of it had to do with his lyric writing. Mm. I mean, he, obviously, he, musically he could do what yeah, they needed right. him to do, but. For him to be able to write the way he did, that was one of the big reasons they picked mm-hmm. him up. And their original drummer, if I'm not mistaken, was a high school friend because they all came up through high school. Yeah, time. see that? That's your but he had, starts, yeah. he had health issues. Mm-hmm. He couldn't. He did the first album, and then he, he, I think he was only like 18 or 19, and he was having health issues where he couldn't tour. Yeah. And so... He kind of stepped out of the way, and in comes Neil Peart, and the rest is kind of history, as they say. He had a lot of tragedy in his life as well. He had, within one year, I think it was a daughter passed away, young daughter, a couple years old, and then his wife passed away. I don't remember Mm -hmm. Which was which, but he almost gave up music. I would imagine the daughter passed away first. No, no, no. I, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not sure if the wife or the daughter. I, I see. I see what you're mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. But they both died like within a year, right. and he almost just walked away from it all, just out of whatever. Yeah. Right. 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 You know what he did to fix that? Jumped on his bike, and I think he did like sixty thousand miles nonstop, not in one ride, but. <laughs> He just he disappeared. He just yeah. he went off the grid. He had I believe he had no contact with the rest of the band, and he just had to go through the catharsis, get out there and get it out of his system. And then and I don't know. It was kind of like the Forrest Gump thing when Forrest stopped running. Yeah, remember that he mm-hmm. yeah he was done. Same thing happened with Neil. He he wrote I think it was like fifty five or sixty thousand miles. And he decided it was enough, and back with the band, and there you go. You know what was weird is this week on Facebook, there was some, one of those, uh, I I follow a lot of Rush stuff on um, social media, but it was one of those ones that just pops up kind of on its own. And it was about a guy who kept, the article basically was saying this guy is denying that he's going to drum for Rush and go out on the road. And I thought, 
where's this coming from? Oh, okay, yeah. Because it was like an article. I did not have chance to read the article, but, you so know. So there's they, rumors of them hitting the road again, but obviously, you know, Pearl was sick. So yeah. Well, I didn't know So Pearl this guy got, got, I didn't know either. I had no idea. Although, um... Half Pint and I went and saw that uh, Rush movie about their 40th uh, tour. And I, I thought he kind of looked a little funny. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just something about him didn't look healthy, I guess. But I never suspected he was sick. Right. He just kind of looked funny. Yeah. But but I don't know how long ago that movie was made. And I, I don't know how long he's been fighting this. And, and he wouldn't have said anything about it, you know. So, again, very sad to me, and uh, I love those guys, and I love listening to the music. And you know, you had mentioned earlier, um, and I'm just gonna kind of go off topic slightly here a little bit, that you had received the notification from Half Pint uh, about his passing, and you said it was a gut shot. Mm. Uh, and in a in a text to Nobs and I, you, you meant you, you said numb, and it, it kind of got me thinking. And uh, what are some of the other, you know, uh, musical or uh, you know famous people deaths that have you know affected us in that way? Um, and again, it really wasn't what our topic was here, but I can't help but bring it up because of the way that it affected you. And you know, you'll you'll probably you'll always think about getting that that message from Half Pint. That's the way you'll relate to hearing the story. You know what I mean? And 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 you know, for myself, there were there were two artists that I can you know remember where I was and what I was doing. That's you know that, that know that's kind one of, of cliche. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, for me, it was Steve Ray Vaughan and John Lennon. And I, I knew I can, you know, conjure up those emotions, uh, relive that situation uh, on both of those, you know. And I think from what listening to you talk, I think it's going to be kind of the same way that you, you feel about this one, you know. The Steve Ray Vaughan, I definitely can relate to that i have same exact thing i recall and i know exactly yeah. what i was doing where i was who i was with I, I, my story is kind of um uh i don't know maybe a little embarrassing but uh you know we didn't it, it didn't hit the airways until the morning right right and uh because his plane crashed at night going from the, the gig in milwaukee sure. to chicago or whatever it was and so i i, I was I was working for uh, General Electric at the time, and I, I pulled into a Handy Andy, um, <laughs> uh, uh, what are they, lumberyard kind of place in Detroit. And I had to go see the manager about something. And I was sitting in my car, listening to one of the rock and roll stations, and then they announced this thing, right? And, you know, I, I was an unbelievable fan at the time, and I was just like, holy mackerel, I can't. I can't even wrap my arms around what I just heard. So, so I, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm feeling okay, right? So, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little shook. So I walk into Handy Andy, and I um, 
go to the manager like I normally would to talk to him about his light bulbs, you know, <laughs> River G at the time. And uh, I knew the guy. I'd been there a couple times. And I said, oh, hey, Bob, you know, I'm, I'm here to check out your light bulbs or whatever. And, and he was like, he looks at me. And he's like, is everything okay? <laughs> and I said, I just heard Stevie Ray Vaughan died. And I just started blubbering. <laughs> just, just the words, just saying it out loud. Right. You know what I mean? Just like, and I, I barely even finished this, the, the statement. I'm, I'm sure when I just started like crying my eyes out to this handy Andy manager. <laughs> and, and and he was a fan. Like like he was like, and he didn't know. You know he, you know, and he was like, what? And uh, you know, so. That's that's my. So how much did you sell that day? <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't a sales call per se, but you know, but it it's was, gonna be okay, Blonde. It, it, I'm it, gonna it, buy all of everything. It from was you. it was one of those moments where it was like, uh, really hit me in a way that I would have never thought it was gonna hit me. You know. Well, I, I I didn't blubber today when I got the message, but I I did tear up but it wasn't full-blown blubbering embarrass myself like you did but but if you had to go to someone and give them the news if, you might if, have. if yeah. i would had to have said that to someone at that time oh yeah 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 and the, then literally the, this was the, about 10 minutes the after I heard, would have turned it. you know and you know what i gotta say i'm i've been thinking about it he's probably the only one that ever affected me like that like stevie ray vaughn affected me because you turned me on to stevie ray and i was a big fan and i mean that was gut-wrenching to hear how all that went down with the helicopter and all that but i i, I wasn't right. that emotionally right but today i, I definitely yeah. Yeah. was traumatic in in a lot of ways like I mentioned John Lennon, I wasn't emotionally uh, affected. It's just also one of those stories where I remember where I was and what I was doing. I don't remember that. I guess I remember hearing it on, like, CBS Morning News or something. Yeah, well, well I, it was on the Morning News or something. See, so it, it happened during the afternoon, and the news was already out at night, so you missed that, right? But I was I was driving back from uh, Shoeys, and this was uh, 1980 from... I'm relatively sure, December 7th, or December 8th, 1980. And I was over at Chewy's, mm -hmm. and I'm driving back, and I turn on the radio, and some Beatles music is on. Okay, whatever. I liked the song or I didn't like the song, whatever, so I turn on another rock station here in Detroit, another Beatles song. I turn on another rock station, another Beatles song. I'm like, this is weird, <laughs> right? So then I walk in the house, uh, just as the 11 o'clock news is on and uh, I, I walk in my house and my dad's standing there uh, in front of the TV and as I walk in the door he says uh, John Lennon was shot because he was watching on 11 o'clock news yeah. you've been to the Dakota right I've been to the Dakota to Strawberry Fields yeah yeah, okay. yeah. Um, as a uh, fan I'm 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 less of a fan now than I was a, many years back. Like, I'm, I was really, really into Lennon. Um, now it's just a matter of, you know, kind of where you put your, your, your efforts, you know, not as much. But I did just read a, uh, uh, the book um, uh, Double Fantasy, The Making of Double Fantasy. It's an excellent book, by the way. 
and lots of insights on, on, on Lennon the person. Have I mentioned before I don't read? <laughs> yes. S- sort of like our, our presidents. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but. Look what it got him. <laughs> hey, so, so for all of our uh, uh, Twitter followers that we have now, you know, if you want to post something about, you know, somebody that uh, affected you in the world of the arts that, that recently passed. Hey, I have another one. I don't know if you noticed. Again, I know this was supposed to be about Rush, but um, about Neil. Did did you see my post about Buck Henry? No. Did he die? Buck Henry died. Really? And I was more affected by that than I thought I was going to be. Really, Buck Henry? And I and I wrote on a, on a on a post about his death about how much he influenced my own sense of humor and timing. And he really, really did. And I, I kind of got some validation on that because... Was he on Hee Haw? No. Um, no. He was uh, Get Smart. Him and Mel Brooks oh, wrote Get oh, Smart. What am I thinking? Oh, yeah. Okay. Never mind. Um, and, uh, you know, a number of other shows. I was he a writer on SNL early? He might have been. And um, my, my sister sort of validated it when she said, I remember you telling me about Buck Henry and I'd never heard of him. And she's talking about when I was like 16, you know. And it was because of Get Smart. I remember seeing the credits. And he was right up there either on top or below Mel Brooks. And I was like, this guy is a genius. Because they gave a huge amount of credit to writing. And I started thinking to myself, TV shows and comedians were not just about those personalities. There's writers behind mm-hmm. it, you know. And they, they gave such a bold credit to the writing. You know, who wrote Gilligan's Island, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but that show did. And and then I was just a huge Buck, Buck Henry fan. And so, yes, I was definitely saddened today uh, hearing uh, of his passing as, as well. I saw that on the news last night. And- yeah. Yeah, so very, uh, very sad. But <clears throat> we're at that age where people we uh, uh, appreciate dropping <laughs> like flies. <laughs> That's harsh. So That's it, it, to kind of get back to Neil Pert, is there a Rush song that you like, or you had mentioned one earlier? Well, because you played a little snippet of Tom Sawyer, you know, and it, it, it's cliche. I'm going to say the exact same thing I said to you. It's cliche in that. You know, it's kind of like saying my favorite Zeppelin song is Stairway to Heaven. Um, but the reason that is a cliche is because it is just that good a song. It really, you know? truly is. I, but I would probably say, I'll, I'll stick with the hits because you, you know the deeper cuts. Probably Limelight. Limelight, uh, you know, I've always liked songs from rock and rollers about being a rock and roller and getting their perspective of it, right? Um, and, uh, you know, that one, uh, it, it also, I think, uh, um, is a good example of the headiness of the band, you know, just, you know, the different references that they use in, in, in that song, uh, describing what it's like to be a rock and roll star, but, you know, different than what, you know, Ozzy would say about it, you know? <laughs> So now, limelight over time. Sorry for me as a as a listener. How long have we known each other? 
Uh, you would know. 50, 60 years? Like no, that. come on now. Uh, five, five, six? Five, yeah. Time flies, man. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember me trying to twist your arm about Rush? <laughs> Multiple occasions, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you never took them, did you? Not really. And be, you don't, you're not going to... Rush is one of those bands to where... They're Canadian, I, man. I can... I love Canadian rock. <laughs> I can appreciate. I, I think what they do is very, very good, but doesn't necessarily suit my musical taste. Well, that's fine. I, I just... Because I remember back early on between us, I know I was probably trying to ram it down your throat. Because I thought you would enjoy it because you liked the Pink Floyd thing, right? And yes, I mean, yeah. They're not the same, but yeah. sort of in a way. It, it's cerebral rock yes. to me. Right, right. But, but to, you know, there's no Pink Floyd. There's what? There's no one else like Pink Floyd. Pink, oh. Floyd, there's, there's Pink, Floyd, Pink Floyd is, yes. you know, you can be a Pink Floyd fan and not even like anything else in the rock world if you want it to be that way, you know. Yeah. That you would, but they're, they're so unique. I think it, it's weird. I, I asked you about what song you like, and I was trying to, as you were talking, I was listening, but I was trying to, I was trying to think what, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciate nice you. I appreciate that. No, no, I was listening to everything yeah. you said, but I was trying to think. That time. Okay. Or like any other time. Do I have a favorite song? See, I don't even like those questions, and you know, we play these games sometimes with other people in larger settings. You know what I'm talking about. I hate making lists. I hate talking about favorites. I'll talk all day about what I like and love, but, you know, the favorite thing just doesn't. My favorite can change at any given time depending on my mood. And my my favorite today right. may be totally different than tomorrow. Right. I think since <laughs> I brought it up, I think my favorite piece of music that they've done is side one of 2112 <laughs> no but it's a whole story and, and it, it's a yeah. continuous story it's, i love it's not album. it's not that thick thing. as a brick yeah but it, it side one is a story yeah between six or eight songs or whatever but i think maybe one of their best albums is permanent waves and it makes me think of gz Oh, yeah? Because really? GZ, I'd be in that, that orange Vega, yeah. and he was playing <laughs> that tape. And I didn't know what the word unobtrusive meant. Because who else would use that in a song Yeah, but Neil Peart? Yeah. Unobtrusive. Yeah. Not, not many my, words rhyme with it. And GZ <laughs> had to explain to me what it meant. And I can remember we were in the... I love this story. The, the I, Chathams... I, I, you know, I don't know if our listeners love this story, but I love this story. We were sure. in the Chathams Park. On the, <laughs> you remember that? No. Over there, well, Grass. No, no, I remember the Chathams, yeah. I don't remember and, being and in the park. We were driving through there, and he was playing that tape, and, and it came on, and I felt stupid, but I said, Jeezy, what does that even mean? <laughs> and I can remember that conversation, clear as a bell. And to, the, to this day, that, that's one of my very favorite albums of theirs. Permanent ways, but and I always think about that when I hear that word, it clicks me directly back to that memory with GZ and the Orange Vega. Wow. Amazing stuff. Yeah, that, that's a great story. It is, yeah, and especially cool. from those that remember those times and those cars and those, those places. Cars. <laughs> All right. Oh, what? No, no, we are not signing off. Oh, okay. No, little surprise. Oh, little surprise. Oh, it's a third beer. Oh, no. <laughs> Round That's three. what this is for. <laughs>
It's Rush Beer number 100. Oh, my. You knew all along what I we were know. on. I you didn't played know. it off. So this is episode 50. And I counted them up. And if my math is right, and we'll fact check. We'll say it is. Um, <laughs> I thought to myself, do we want to so? go to the next episode and bring in 100 as the lead-in of that episode? Or... Do we want to have a nice, you know, nice and tidy with 50 episodes, 100 beers? So even though it was three beers today, I thought I'd rather do 100 beers on number 50. And I thought the name of the beer <laughs> was right on for Bottoms Up. <laughs> yep, that fits. <laughs> Train wreck. <laughs> More maple syrup. I only purchased it because of the... Uh, Does the, this fit our podcast or our current president? Well, I, all of the above, okay. right? Train wrecks in many ways. Here we are, Whoa. 50 episodes, 100 beers revo- reviewed, reviewed. Reviewed. And no sisters will be kissed with this beer. Wow. Um, and... Potent. Uh, it's a different brewery. Who is this? Mountain Town? Mountain Town... Out of Mount Pleasant. Pleasant. So it was a new brewery uh, that are new to me. I mean, I've never heard of them. Uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure I, I understand why Mount Pleasant. Is Mount Pleasant named Mount Pleasant because of Mountain Pleasant? Is that, is Mount, you know, like, like I don't look at the word Mount prior to the city name as being abbreviated for Mountain. Right? should be. I think it is. Okay, there's no mountain <laughs> in Pleasant, Michigan, okay? Or Clemens. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, yeah. right, right. So, I, I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, but I thought we would do 100 right here and then, you know... What a sweet surprise. So that's, you know, you called me out on the bottle opener. And, you know, uh, the, I, I heard bottles. But yeah, I just yeah, and I tried to go. blow it off. I tried to blow it <laughs> off. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, describe it. it it's uh, an amber ale. Train wreck amber ale brewed with maple syrup and honey. Um, I had, yeah, I did not mean for this to, to I only bought it because of the name. Right. Um, I couldn't find anything but like 100 on it, Centennial or anything like that. So this is awesome. But I let Trainwreck fit us uh, perfectly. I, I think it's very apropos. Yeah. Well, that depends how many people are still listening. <laughs> <laughs> how far are we down? <laughs> uh, we'll leave it up to knobs. To I'm, I'm, just, I'm not paused. It was close. <laughs> Got a lot to go. I just thought I was going to tip my beer over on my phone. I only know because I've done it before. <laughs> what time is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I was reading the can before I tilted it. <laughs> um, so new brewery and new uh, brewery, new year. You know. Oh, I got a I got a beautiful head on this. Yeah, so did you? Yeah, Max. yeah. Bad. And then this uh, is my Fred's funky glassy. Uh, well, I, I we're going glass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, bottoms up, man. Bottoms up. Hundred beers. One hundred beers. Made Fifty it. episodes. We made it. We're still talking to each other. Did, but we 
And I love you, Neil Pert, and I'm going to miss you. And I don't. Here, here. I'm not here, embarrassed here. to say it. No. Hmm. They don't give you much description. That's pretty like good. It. I like it. Hmm. That's that's pretty good. You know, this, I just got the maple syrup. I'm surprised this isn't overly sweet. Maple syrup and honey. Right. That's what my concern was yeah. after reading the label, but it's really not overly sweet. And it really finishes dry with the hops. Mm-hmm. Right? You there's there's hops in there. This is a this is yes. a this is a legit beer from a new brewery. It's a roller coaster of beer flavors. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna try and capture that um, that maple syrup and honey, but I, I'm just liking what I'm tasting. I would say of the three we've had, this has been my favorite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I have a mm-hmm. meh, a not for me, and a for me. I like this beer because the f- there's a lot of flavors going on. Yes. It, it, it's present. Yeah. Would you say it's complicated? Yeah, actually, it would. That's a good word for yeah. this. A lot going on because I'm, I'm getting the maple syrup at the end for sure. Right, right. I, I get that. And there's a little bit of a almost like a burnt flavor to it. Do you guys picking up on that? It, it's. I think that's the hops. Yeah. Like that little that little nutty flavor, which is also a little bitter. Yeah. Um. Yeah, whatever it is, I like I, it. I know that, you know, we're not supposed to use the word mouthfeel anymore in 2020. Mm-hmm. Right? That was killed. That shouldn't even be a 2019 But thing. it has a much better mouthfeel than the... Cream? Yeah. Yeah. Which they were touting the mouthfeel right. on that beer, but I didn't get it. And here I, I do. Uh, uh, kind of when you were saying with, you know, complexity, um, I... He said it. I echoed what I, the way I characterize it, and I, I'm trying to remember what beer it was that I that I also said this about. You can tell it's a quality beer. Like they they, hmm. you know, they spent their time, you right. know, m- making a, a, a really nice beverage. I like uh, it. They, they had some passion into it, some soul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And thank goodness, beer number one hundred wasn't a flop. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's, it's something we're enjoying. <laughs> We're not kissing our sister. There's a lot of positive things going on about it. And train wreck, right? A train wreck. I mean, but I do like that it ends kind of dry. It starts off sweet, goes dry. I get it. I, it leaves the mouth clean. I'm I'm good with all parts of this yeah. beer. You know, I don't get the proboscis in there. We will have. It's to. a little weak on the aroma, but that's all right. We got mine in there. Yeah, Mountain. not a lot of smell. Yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> you don't want to say sm- you don't want anything to have a lot of smell. Fragrance, where where you bought this? Were there any other offerings from them? Uh, not that I saw. Hmm. No. Interesting. Hmm. So. I wonder if they're new on the scene. I would bet you they're new on the scene. I, I'll, you know, Mount Pleasant. Uh, it's uh, fire up chips. Um, uh, it's chip. where Peanut goes. Yeah. And um, up to school there. I'll have to ask her about it. Now that she's 21. Put her on it. Yeah. I wonder if they have an establishment. Hmm. 
might be a Nobs is furiously typing things into his phone. A father daughter uh, mm. weekend. Better do it soon. She's graduating. Wow. <clears throat> I cannot believe that. Oh, uh, yes, you can because you've been there. No, I mean, it literally you, you, you seems gotta, like you, you, she just started. But you, 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 you've got a girl that I can still picture in my mind as being, you know, no more than two and a half feet tall, and she's got a master's now. I mean, there's finally somebody we know that's smart. <laughs> it's proven. <laughs> you know when you talk about her being that small, you know what I always think about? Is when you guys were in Cleveland, we came to visit you. Yep. Do you remember when she flipped out the back door of the house? <laughs> no. I, I think, I'm trying to remember if it, on your door wall there was a screen and she pushed it out or something, but she she did an endo. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that memory sticks with me. <laughs> so. Uh. All right. All right. Well, we'll still uh, then clink out and just uh, enjoy our beers. But and, and one thing I want to do yeah. is, is as we fade out, I want to hear some rush. Yeah. Bring it now. Give it to me now. Okay. We crank it up. All right. Potoms up. Out. Potoms up. Neil, we love you. Out.
Sonne, die Sonne.